1: Welcome to episode 114 of McChesney Unchained here at DNVR. Uh, Make sure you get down to the DNVR bar down off Colfax. It is rocking every single night. If you've seen it on social media at DNVR underscore sports on Twitter and on Instagram, it has been absolutely booming. The Az play tonight, the Nuggets have been on. They shut out, they they shut the door in Portland last night. That place is absolutely rocking. I can't wait to go down and and watch a game. Uh, It's packed. Get there early. Uh it's so awesome to be able to say that again. But like I said, this is episode 114 of McChesney Unchained coming to you from uh down here at 60 Football Academy at the lab. Uh we're doing this over Zoom before we get back in studio down there at DNBR. Um, we're gonna talk about a lot of different stuff today. The NBA playoffs, talk about LeBron James and his greatness and/or, uh the Nuggets closing out Portland in six. Um the great Willie Anderson, a 13-year-old year vet with uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore, is going to join us later in the show to talk about NFL offensive line play and development and 18, 17 games, 18 games, the college game, how it translates and so much more as Willie works with so many guys uh, down in Atlanta at his lineman academy and a, and a, a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer here very shortly. The great Willie Anderson will join us. Um First and foremost, though, we want to give thanks to our friends at, at DraftKings and all that they do. Uh, the title sponsor here for McChesney Unchained on DNBR. Uh, DraftKings hit for me again last night. I took the over and uh, the nuggets. Uh, I put nice 300 on it. And boom! We had a nice night last night at the McChesney house, watching the nugs close out <laughs> Portland and go with the over. Um, and it, it's my favorite sports book for a reason. It's also America's top rated sports book. I love using the DraftKings sports book. It's easy. You always get your money. Uh, it goes straight into your account. Uh, when, when you hit the button, there's never any, you know, the qualms or, or conversation about well, who you paid and, or, or who's paying who they do a great job. Uh, all the playoff games that you're seeing the abs, all the hockey games, all the basketball games, it's all there. You can, you can bet going forward in the NFL. I I took Cleveland to, to uh, win their division at at like plus two fifty or something. So there's a ton of different opportunities on DraftKings to go out and make some money. Um, Keep in mind that it's, the DraftKings Sportsbook app is putting you courtside this week with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. You can pick any basketball team uh, that's still in contention. Bet $1. If that team wins, you make $100. Um, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit, withdraw your funds into convenience. Remember to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, app now and use the promo code DNBR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on one basketball team to win of your choice. And if they win, you can claim $100 on that $1 bet. The promo code is DNBR for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in size credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Do you have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Thanks to DraftKings for all they do. Uh, excited about the uh, the future bets I'm going to be winning. Um, all right, so let's jump into the NBA here before we wait, bring uh, the great Willie Anderson on a little bit later in the show to talk about OL play. Uh, and my man that produces this show that makes the big guy sound so good, uh, it is, I don't know if I've ever met anybody more knowledgeable uh, about the NBA and its history and your Denver Nuggets. Then my man, Adam Mares, who's joining us here on DNBR, episode 114. Not only is he producing the greatness, but he's adding to it. Adam, how are you doing today, brother? And how the hell are you? Good, man. I'm good to be a guest on the show. Always yeah, sitting silently cool, yeah. in the background.
0: Now I get to hop on and, and wrap it up with
1: you. All right. So, first of all, thanks for coming on the show, Hey, eh? How do they get a hold of you on Twitter? It's a great follow. You can get a ton of information, not only about DNBR, the bar off of Colfax down there, but also primarily about the NBA and the Denver Nuggets.
0: Well, the best thing people can do is become DNVR members. They can watch my film studies over on thednvr.com. After every playoff game, I've been breaking down deep dive, like you do. Uh, You know, like the the film studies you do with football. I'm doing that same stuff for for the Nuggets. So they can check out thednvr.com, become members. You know all
1: that. All right. Well, definitely do that. You're not going to get more knowledge than what Adam can bring to the table, Uh, especially after – the Nuggets go and wrap up Portland in six in Portland. Uh, I didn't hear one person. Uh, and, and look, we were texting back and forth. We were both super concerned about this, thought it was going to go seven. I thought Damian Lillard would definitely do what Damian Lillard does. The, the game five performance from that cat, the double nickel, was absolutely nuts. But look, I'm a Nuggets fan. This is a Nugget town. They advance again now in six, not having to go game seven like they did last year uh, with their two playoff wins. What what about this team impresses you the most, especially after losing a bona fide superstar like Jamal Murray?
0: Man, so this is the era in the NBA of super teams and off-season chaos. Every off-season, new teams form, and then you're around for one, maybe two years if you're lucky, and then you move on. I like it. I see that there. Look at that. Uh, but the Nuggets are a rarity in that this has been a slow build. This is a true team that has come through the ranks. These guys have had to build chemistry, trust, continuity, uh, experience, all of those things step by step. And that's what I think makes them so so special. You lose Jamal Murray, you lose Will Barton, but what you didn't lose was the culture that they had built, the toughness they had built, the resolve, all of those things that were forged, not just from a couple of tough games or a big month, but over years, a process. And very few teams in the NBA uh, have that these days. And I think that's why Denver now, you've seen them come through in so many big games over not just this season, but over the last season as well. And that's why I think they keep surprising everybody.
1: So the thing that I love about the Nuggets so much is that resolve that you're speaking of, Like Jamal Murray gets hurt. Most, most teams, most franchises, most fan bases will probably be like, oh, well, great year. We'll see what we can do in the playoffs. We're not expecting much. The expectations for me went higher in my opinion. Like mm. I, I'm looking at like, we have got the MVP, Nikola Jokic, who's, well, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but I'm constantly amazed by this guy. Yeah. It's giving the Nuggets an opportunity to have real depth next year in the backcourt, an issue that's been a massive problem in Denver for a lot of years. And they're doing it without one of their top players, which is forcing M- Michael, Michael Porter Jr. to take that role as a true two. Yeah. Usually when you lose a guy like, like a, a bona fide superstar like Murray in any sport, your season is a wreck. Yeah why is it is it coach malone is it is it Jokic? is it just the framework like you said the resolve of a great team but i i think denver if they're the three seed this year without him the sky's the limit next year with an aging laker team that can't get their uh-huh. head out of their ass i mean good lord the sc- uh-huh. I, i'm so excited about the future
0: even this year though man i mean you look at it the lakers are out um you know, there, there's teams, you look at the Clippers, they might be out tonight. Like, there's no, you. Mostly there's a team that you're like looking at and you're like, okay, that's the best team. Everybody's chasing them. At least out West, that team doesn't exist anymore. So why not this year, even as shorthanded as they are? But, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes down to Jokic. You asked about the resolve. You know, he's a really tough dude. There's a reason you look at the final four teams last year in the playoffs, in the bubble, that difficult bubble stretch that everybody, you know, you're inside that bubble for months and months, mentally at war on teams, Miami, they're out of the playoffs, Lakers out of the playoffs, Boston Celtics out of the playoffs. Nuggets, the only team still standing. And by the way, their stars, Jokic, the only guy that played every single game on either of those teams, he played all wow. seventy two games. Um, so I just think it's this <sighs> mental and physical toughness with this team that says, you know what, whatever this, the the challenges are, would just rise to them. And they've done it for now three se- – really done it for three and a half seasons going back to when they missed the playoffs, pushed it all the way to game 82 and then lost in overtime. They're a team that has just shown resolve, and it's it's one of their foundational traits. And what's cool about it is it's undeniable. I'm not just saying this because I'm the homer and people are like, all right, everybody thinks their team's tough. No, everybody around the league covering the league knows Denver is a special breed of mentally tough.
1: Absolutely tough as nails. And and look, the great Adam Mares joins us here on uh, episode 114 of McChesney and Chain. Make sure you go to DNBR.com and subscribe and watch all of his breakdowns for the Nuggets. There, he does a great job covering this basketball team. And DNBR, we you know, the, the beauty of DNBR, in my opinion, and why I love being associated with with uh, such a great company is we're not sitting around being homers. We're not just agreeing to agree. We actually have independent. Uh, thoughts and, and there's a lot of you know conversation in that building that the franchise would probably frown on but again as fans and as media members it, it's our job to give our opinion not necessarily just agree um, that said this Michael Malone isn't the right coach bullshit that I hear on the radio it's like the narrative that the fan pushes and James yeah. Merillat who takes everything and right. so on and so forth I I think it's fucking ridiculous, personally, brother. I I I got to get your opinion on this. Uh, Michael Malone has done an incredible job. He just keeps making the right decisions, and with all the things that are stacked against that team and that guy, for them to be in this position, I, I, to hat off, coach. Yeah.
0: Man, it's funny because first of all, you've I you know you played professionally. You've had a lot of coaches. I am sure you have had coaches that you felt like. Genuinely cared about each player and trusted yes. and instilled confidence. And I'm sure you had coaches that did not. And I'll yep. tell you, it is so rare in the NBA for an entire locker room to like the coach. It is so rare. You get the star likes him and some of the role players like him. Austin rivers, when he joined the team in the final month of the season, because Denver was so depleted, is the number one thing he said, when he talked about his team. He said, I've never seen anything like this. Everybody rides for Michael Malone. Like everybody on the team just gets in line and and appreciates him. And he has their back. And that's why you could throw in an Austin rivers, uh, Marcus Howard, who's on a two-way contract, uh, a rookie five foot, nothing five foot nine. And he can go out there and shoot 60% from the three point line in a playoff series when he's never been there. And I think it's because Michael Malone just gets that part of it. He's, NBA coaches are different from NFL coaches in a lot of ways. I think Michael Malone is more like an NFL coach than anybody else in the NBA. He's a drill Sergeant. He's a no excuses, hard ass, tough, intense guy, but he's also, it's tough love. And I think that underlying love part, everybody on that team knows like, Hey man, he's got my back. He might be benching me. He might be screaming at me, but he's got my back. And that's just so, that's such a tight line to walk in the NBA, being tough, but having guys know you still care about them and Malone one of very few coaches in the NBA that's able to walk that line.
1: And and I love it. And, and that same drills instructor mentality, because I, I tell my guys here at 6-0 all the time, if I'm not on your ass, that's yep. bad for you. Yep. I'm on your ass because I think you can play and the potential is through the roof. And if everybody does what they're supposed to do, the sky's the limit on how good we can be. All right. So I, I hope Malone is the coach here for years to come. I think the foundation here with this next guy we're going to talk about Porter Michael or, or Michael Porter Jr. is awesome. Jamal Murray is awesome. I love them. They're great. I I love I I love the addition of Gordon. He's been a defensive stopper and good on the boards and a guy that can go out and play the perimeter, but can also body up a four or five in the post. So he's tough man. Austin, he's strong. He's been awesome. Austin Rivers off the sofa to, to twenty five points and winning playoff games. I love it. But Jokic, the MVP of this league. I haven't seen a big the the pass the other night to the corner in the in the second overtime to Porter over his shoulder with the double team on him was one of the most incredible passes I've ever seen. Now, LeBron James is a is a very unselfish player, but I think he's unselfish to the point of me yelling at the TV just shoot the ball. <laughs> Jokic is unselfish and he seems to pick his spots perfectly. So how how, how can he be I guess my question is is he really playing basketball or is he just (laughs) setting the tone? Like it it seems like he's just like out there orchestrating his masterpiece damn near every night. I think he can still get better too. And that is scary for the national basketball association. No question. He can get better, man.
0: He's 26 years old and he made a he made a big leap this year. He's going to keep doing it. I mean, he just got his body in this type of shape for the first time ever. And I think, you know, by all accounts, he's committed to, to continuing that sort of process. And you mentioned LeBron James unselfish, like, yeah, LeBron and the t- players of his type, James Harden, even Luka Doncic, those guys are passers, you know, scores and passers. And, and people look at that and say, that's unselfish. What makes Jokic a whole different type of unselfish is you watch that first quarter, Michael Porter Jr. is going off 21 points in the first quarter. What does Jokic do? He says, sweet. I'm going to keep giving him the ball. I don't need the assist. I don't need to be involved in this. If he has it going, I will completely step back. And that's something that even LeBron James types rarely do. It's usually it's like, okay, this guy's going, I'm going to run a pick and roll and get him the kick out, or I'm going to get him this. Jokic just said, sweet, I get to take the first quarter off. And that means I'm going to be ready for the fourth quarter even more, which is exactly what happened. Jokic got to coast in the first half because of Michael Porter. And in the second half, 27 points to close the door on Portland.
1: All right, so he's the MVP, first MVP in Nugget history. That's incredible. Coach Malone, I think, should be in running for coach of the year. We'll see what happens there. I'm looking at the West right now. The Jazz advance over a tough Memphis team. John Moran's incredible. Hopefully the Mavs can close out the Clippers just because I don't really like the Clippers, but I'm not really worried about either of those two. I think that they would both give Denver a good run, but those guys got to get through Utah. The Suns and what they did to the Lakers, and I think that the Lakers were beat before they even started last night because they're pretty demoralized and Davis isn't there. But if I'm looking at this preseason and I'm like, okay, even if we lose Jamal Murray, we've got to beat Utah, Dallas, or the Clippers or the Suns to get to the finals after last year's, you know, the Western Conference Finals run. Is there a better situation for Denver than what they're in right now? I mean, I'm expecting the Denver Nuggets to be in the NBA finals, bro. Are you in the same mindset?
0: Well, I think Utah is is the favorites out West. I mean, they're a really good team. They retooled a little bit in their front court specifically to be able to guard Jokic should they have to go up against him bringing in Derek Favors. That'll be a big move. I, I think they're probably the favorite for a reason. Phoenix is probably the second favorite. When you just talk about, like, in a vacuum, who has the talent, there's a reason they're the number two seed. But the one thing I'll say that we learned in this Portland series, you got to have a lot of guys. We talk, when you go into a series, you usually talk about, okay, who's the best player and how do you stop them? We're going into every series left on the table and saying, Jokic is the best player. How does Phoenix stop him? And then you get to Devin Booker and Chris Paul and everybody else. Yep. And right now, if you look at, you know, Phoenix Suns coming up, they have a very good young center and DeAndre Ayton. They don't have anybody behind him, though. And 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 it makes you wonder if this is what happened to Portland. Nurkic, he did a good job against Jokic, but not once bad. he fouled out every game like he did, they had nobody it's else over. to throw at him and Jokic just feasted. So I, I wonder if the same things will happen to uh to, to the Suns.
1: All right. So looking at that series, Suns nuggets, I, I'd expected to go six or seven. I think it's gonna be a really competitive hard-nosed series. Chris Paul already said today that he's not gonna take the team option, so he'll hit free agency, even if he does stay in Phoenix. All right. Um that's really the, the bugaboo here, but I, that was the same with me for with Portland is how are we going to deal with McCullough and Lillard with our yeah. depleted backcourt. But again, like we said at the beginning of the interview here, I don't necessarily look at it depleted anymore. I think they've got a lot of experience and some depth and a lot of guys that can play. And when given the opportunity, they showed out. So yes, Chris Paul's a floor general. Yes. Chris Paul has really elevated the play of Devin Booker. Yes. Chris Paul makes good decisions, but I think that the fact that he's being anointed as this difference maker in the series, like Chris Paul's going to be the guy that makes the difference. I think that's going to motivate Austin rivers and it's going to motivate Capazzo. It's going to motivate Michael Malone to put his guys in position to really take advantage of Chris Paul's age and, and that, and then yeah. Jokic on top of it, Like you said, he should be the focal point in here, not Chris Paul. So the motivation for Denver to go out and really stomp Phoenix is there, even if the rivalry isn't built up there. So in your opinion, are these the two – I mean, Utah's good, yes, but I don't see Donovan Mitchell staying there for very long. He doesn't really like Utah very much. Um, Do you think Phoenix and Denver are the two up-and-coming teams in the West that are really going to be at each other's neck for years to come? Phoenix is
2: pretty homegrown.
0: Yeah, they are but they, you know, you mentioned Chris Paul, I don't know if he's back at, and he's a big piece of that team. I think the other team you look at out west if you think long term, you've got to look at Dallas and Luka. I mean, Luka's even younger than Jokic, 22 yeah. years old and he is an MVP caliber type player and and they're only getting started. So, I it's funny, this is a this off season has really been about the next wave of player Trey Young Luka Doncic even Giannis and and I wonder this is the year of the international player you look at who's left in the playoffs right now you got Jokic you got Gobert you've got Giannis you got Luka you know even Joel Embiid on the other side of the bracket you know you've got a bunch of European players and I wonder if it's a little bit weird because we always think of LeBron and, and so, you know Steph and this or that but the next wave of superstar in the NBA is international it's the true growth of the sport as a global sport and um, it'll be interesting to watch that. Mm-hmm.
1: So this last question here, Adam, before we get you out of here on episode 114, McChesney Unchained, and thank you so much for doing this uh, as Willie joins us. Uh, Willie, just hold on. We'll talk I was talking about past setting here in a minute. Um, going to LeBron, okay? LeBron James accomplished. is incredible. I mean, he's he's been awesome. No one's debating that. I've never, he got beaten the first round for the first time in his career. That sucks. Davis wasn't there. It is what it is. The international game, like you just said, Jordan played against domestic talent. LeBron's playing against international talent and domestic talent. Do you think last night and the walk-off with five minutes left in, in the game before where they got hammered by 30, do you think it, it puts any any taint and, and stain on LeBron at all? Because, I, I look, LeBron is more Magic Johnson to me. And like a, a an exact like an just an unbelievable talent that can facilitate and play defense, run the point, and yeah, he's got a good shot, but not a great one. He's not just a pure score, even though he can. Where Kobe and Magic and, and and Michael are more comparable, in my opinion, in that regard. So, I guess my question to you is is this the beginning of the end for LeBron James or does he come back next year with a fury and, and at at almost 40 years old getting a CJ McCollum, getting a Damian Lillard, getting one of these guys out here that they may need in LA to, to go win another title. Let's get you out of here on that one, Adam.
0: Well, I think you know LeBron made the finals for ten years straight, so I mean, you know, he has his his place in NBA history. I think is is solid, and people will always debate to the end of days: is it Jordan, is it LeBron, is it Wilt, is it Kareem? I mean, there's a lot of guys you could throw in there, and I you can't take anything from them there. The only thing I, whenever people ask me about that, you know, when I was old enough to watch Jordan and, and see his career. Jordan is the best competitor I think that we've ever seen and I, that's no knock on LeBron. I think he's the best competitor we've seen across sports. I mean, he is a, a true, you know, he, he wrote the book on this sort of Mamba mentality. He created Mamba mentality before Kobe put a name to it. And I think that, yeah. um, you know, I think that's one thing that separates him. But at the same time, LeBron, at his absolute peak, really didn't have weaknesses on the offensive end, didn't have weaknesses on the defensive end, six foot nine, 265 pounds of sheer muscle and athleticism. So his place is, is, is set. The Lakers, though, Look, man, this is two out of three years LeBron has broken down midway through the season, two out of three years. And we just know, man, this is how it goes in sports. You start – you get a little bit older, and it's not the big injuries. Little things just kind of start happening, and it's just (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> now, if he's healthy and in the playoffs and, and Anthony Davis is healthy, that team would have been favorites. But the odds of them both being healthy now, when you talk about him being 36 next year, 37 years old, the odds of him being healthy for a full season and at the right times, just they just go down and down. And we'll see what happens with him.
1: Does he need to go back to the East?
0: <laughs> man i'll tell you what when you're in los angeles you get everybody so you know i will see what happens yeah. this summer they maybe they get chris paul and they add another hall of famer to their team or something like that
1: but so the lakers the lakers might actually get chris paul this time without the nba stepping <laughs> in and be like, no no man, the no NBA, chris
0: paul for you they might have to step in man to, you know but i will say this man the east there's some good teams out there right now but the west for 20 years has had first round you don't get the first round off you're not playing the atlanta hawks in the first round or, or, or whatever, Orlando Magic. The West, every round, every series out West in the first round this year and for the last 20 years has been a battle, and that, that's just what makes it different.
1: Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show, not only producing every episode of McChesney Unchained, but being so knowledgeable today, talking about the NBA and so much more. Uh, i really excited about the Nuggets moving forward, and obviously we both hope that they take care of the Suns and go to the Western Conference Finals again. Uh, everybody, remember uh, to check out Adam. Uh, on dnvr.com and download all of his all the film breakdowns and give him a good follow on twitter he's awesome uh the information is flowing to say the least and get down to DNBR tonight watch the ass take care of Hell vegas yeah. and then uh and then the uh the nuggets start their next series against phoenix here when dallas and the clippers wrap adam thank you so much for coming on the show brother and uh, enjoy producing the rest as Willie <laughs> and i discuss thank I'll you bro the background yeah for sure episode 114, Rolls here on the Unchained on DNBR. Make sure you go to dnbr.com and check everything out. Big thanks to Adam RS, for coming on the show and talking about the NBA. Make sure you go check out all the stone breakdowns. Get your ass down to DNBR this evening to watch the Avs, take care of the Knights in Game 3, and then obviously the Nuggets will be taking on the Suns, and we'll be down there uh, supporting them. We bring on uh, NFL great Willie Anderson, tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals, played from it. 1996 to 2007 was the 10th overall pick, 13-year NFL vet. Uh, he runs the Willie Anderson Lineman Academy down in Atlanta and works with guys very similar to what I do up here in Denver. Um, uh, Willie is uh, one of the best linemen I've ever seen play at his position, obviously, but just listen to this number before we start talking shop. Willie Anderson faced nine of the 11 all-time sack leaders while he played, so it's just some bad-ass dudes off the edge. He allowed one sack to Bruce Smith as a rookie to those to those uh, nine just saying they might the man might know what he's talking about a little bit so Willie thanks for coming on the show brother welcome to McChesney Unchained and
2: uh, taking some time out of your day and uh how are you I'm good bro man thanks for having me on here dog yeah man and uh first good.
1: and foremost yeah you're down 50 pounds you're looking good man out there busting your ass so wanted to tip the cap of you uh, to you on that one, that all of us big guys, the only way we're going to stay alive for very long is to lose that weight. So tip of the cap to you, brother. Keep it up. No doubt. No doubt. All right. So first and foremost, you're a Laker fan. We were texting yesterday. Mm-hmm. I thought that the Lakers would be able to pull out game six. No way LeBron would go out uh, in six games, but it did end up happening. We just had Adam talking about the NBA on. He's, he's uh, the insider down there at DNVR. Just, I wanted to get your thoughts on LeBron and the Lakers and just the NBA playoffs up to this point, as I know you're a huge fan.
2: I think everything Adam said was was correct. I mean, as, as a Lakers fan, I've been a Lakers fan since 1987. You know, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, and we, we don't have a pro team, NFL or NBA. And the first team that I saw I played in 87, when I was 12 years old, was, was Matthew Johnson the Lakers. Um, diehard Lakers fan, you know, um, Early on in my career, early on in LeBron's career, I wasn't the biggest LeBron fan because I'm 45 years old, so I grew up, you know, pro-Jordan. And, you know, you know, and, and back then, 10 years ago, it was either you love Jordan, hate LeBron, you couldn't love them both. But as, as LeBron's gotten older, I've definitely come to respect LeBron's game, even while in Cleveland. So I was ecstatic when he came to L.A. But I do think um, it's getting near the end. I think last night kind of showed that. I mean, and... He's played so long. I mean, if you guys remember Kobe's career at the end, Kobe had like three straight seasons of season-ending injuries. And, and, and Kobe took care of himself just, just as well as anybody. Um, so with, with LeBron at this stage right here, he needs other players. I mean, he has to. Like, we, we, we definitely need a dominant two-guard. I think, I think, I think the, the role of LeBron dominating the, the basketball, it kind of deterred guys in the past who want to come play with him because guys, you know, a dominant two-guard or a dominant point guard, they want the ball in their hands. And I knew last season that that style would work for one year with LeBron, but he has to come to the point right now where he has to have better players. It sounds crazy. Just as good or better players around him at this stage of his career. I mean, he's 36 years old, with 17, 18 seasons? I mean, damn, Kobe played 20, and at 17, Kobe was not Kobe anymore. So what LeBron is doing now is, is, is crazy still athletically, but we need other guys. I mean, you know, and what happened with AD is kind of what we all worried about AD when he got here because he was—you state I me mean, great player, top five guy. But I don't know if it's something in his training or just the way his body is built, being that's being you know they say the kid was six foot six foot one at one time and then grew to six eleven. You know, maybe that's something to do with his body and his ligaments or something, man. You know, because He's, he's one thing, he's always falling on the ground. And it's funny, I learned that as an offensive lineman. Years ago, my second second in the league, one of the Bengals scouts told me, he said, man, Willie, really the great players, the great linemen, are never on the ground. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you're a lineman, we've got to block guys to the ground well. What he meant was going through traffic and pulling or engaging a guy. When the players is over with, that guy can't throw you on the ground. That The great guys seem to always stay on their feet, I mean, Watch LeBron. LeBron is rally on the ground. Jordan. Yep. We, we rarely see. We rarely see Jordan go up in the air, reverse layup, and come down and turn his ankle. For some reason, he just knew how to land. You know what I mean? And um, AD has a problem. AD has a problem. I think with, with him being so tall and so long. And um, we we definitely got to get another two guard. You know, um, my man McCullough up in Portland. Somebody got to come in and be a dominant scorer. Last night, the was tired as hell last night, man. And it showed. Oh, he like, was
1: gas, bro. So
2: bad for him, man. Like, damn, like, like, and um, the Suns knew it. The Suns played a fast paced game. And um, not having that second score, man, you know, hurt him bad, hurt him real bad. So.
1: That's okay. You're a Laker fan. You guys got like <laughs> 300 times. Oh, you'll be back before you hey, know like, it. Like, like, like Alan
2: said, like, like Alan said, everybody comes to LA too. So hopefully next offseason. It's a big offseason.
1: Oh, they're getting somebody. I guarantee you. If anything, rich, this rich, allows rich. them to
2: go. Yeah,
1: go straight to the front office. And go, we need help. And they'll be like, cool. Exactly. Um, so, so look, you you mentioned you're from Mobile, Alabama. I know you played at Auburn, um, and and the the new head coach down there and the new offensive line coach Brad Bedell is, is a good friend of mine. So I'm excited to see what the Auburn Tigers do down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll we'll keep it basketball here before we get into the football stuff. Uh, excuse me. The uh, did you hear the nickname that Barkley gave Davis on TNT? Uh, speaking of Auburn yes. guys, uh, uh, street, uh, street, street, clothes, street clothes Davis, street clothes. Is that
2: is that over the line there? Is that a little bit too like right Chuck. knife on the heart? That's Chuck, man. If, if you watch Stephen A. Smith the other day, what, what Chuck said about him and what Stephen A. said in, in, in the whole mantra about him, that made AD go out there and play like he couldn't play last night. But hearing Charles Barkley say what he said, and Stephen A. Smith saying, hey, people are starting to question you if you don't go in the court. Like, there was no way he can play last night. Like, but he but he did that knowing that if he did at least try, it would be have been real, real bad for him. Real, real bad for
1: him. Yeah. I agree. All right, so let's get into some football here. Uh, the great Willie Anderson joins us here on episode 114 of Chesney Unchained at DNBR. Make sure you check it out, dnbr.com. Willie was the 10th overall pick in 1996 of the Bengals, 13-year NFL career, four-time Pro Bowl, three-time All-Pro. Uh, and, and look, you you played, like, over 190 games. So the we were talking about injuries, and unfortunately I, I had a ton of injuries I had to deal with in the NFL, and it kept me from playing for a long time. You stayed relatively healthy. I know your body's got to feel awesome right now, but relatively healthy uh, through your career. Talking about today's modern tackles. You know, and, and the, the guys like the, the Stanleys and the Orlando Brown Juniors and, you know, Eric Fisher, Terrence Achilles last year, it's very rare to see guys actually stay healthy now. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see a lot of Walter Jones or Willie Anderson mm-hmm. or, or Ogdens, guys who just play forever, and it's like a, it's, it's, it's not even debated. Like, oh, he's going to be there every week. What, what do you think has changed? Is it, is it a toughness thing? Are guys just not playing unless they're 100%? What do you think's changed in that regard? Is it just
2: is, – is the game different? I mean, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. What I don't want to sound like is the old man saying that, you know, our, our time was better. Um, I think with you and I dealing with high school kids, like I see some of the high school linemen in the last 10 years that don't play multiple sports. And it seems like, you know, back when I played, like everybody played something. Guys wrestled in um, all season. They played basketball. You know, you know, I know guys that play lacrosse and baseball, and it's, it's certain things that your body gets hardened up doing. Like, right? and and you know, definitely in the NFL, the way they have the off season set up now is is for the players' um, longevity, health. It's probably great that we don't have you know to go to OTAs and, and three month offseason season of of, of of weightlifting how we did back in the days. But I think it also hurts the the, the, the development of the line. Um, yes, bad. Um, especially for technique wise. You know, my second year in the league, I moved from. I came in as the right tackle, but I ended up playing left tackle my whole rookie year. And they wanted to switch me back to the right side because we had nobody at the Bengals who can face who was big enough to face the left defensive ends back then. So I moved to the right side. And I, I remember going to Cincinnati for a month with Paul, Lizem, and myself before OTA started in 97. And he and I just worked on techniques that we basically used as a group for the next 12 years and you know it was some things that that I did really good that I kind of taught him some things he taught me some things and we used those techniques for the next 12 years that even when guys like Levi Jones and Andrew Whitworth came in they was using those techniques that we worked on in 97 when I was 22 years old so the amount of time that guys get to stay with their O-line coaches right now is is, is definitely down um there's a, there's a different kind of body type of right now. Like, there's no more 340 pound tackles and 340. My, my last year with the Bengals, I was 340 and Bobby Williams was like 360. My God, <laughs> you know what I mean? So guys are a lot leaner now. I think guys are more athletic because the guys their are are more athletic. But something has to do with the training, problem. I mean, I mean, I think I mean, I mean when guys come into to, to lifting weights and and, and prehabbing and, and doing things that to take care of themselves before they get hurt. I think it's a real big part of the game that should be looked at, because old school football training, you know, I mean, guys still tra- a lot of offensive linemen still training the way guys train in the 80s, and I think in and learning how to prevent these injuries before they happen, prevent like achilles injury can can 100% be prevented if you if you if you're constantly thinking about you know keeping your calves loose, keeping your ankles loose, but that's that's something that guys have to be and bred into guys and. Fortunately for me, I learned that at a later part of my career, how to take care of my body as far as you know, adjustments and massages. Um, uh, going to, doing stuff like Pilates with a room full of women, my big ass now on the table. <laughs> and they, they, these small <laughs> girls, they're killing me, bro. I'm like, because I, I seen a guy by yeah, the name. It's named, good for you, too. It's great for you, man. i seen a guy by the name of Ruben Brown, who was a multiple pro bowler for uh, yeah. you know, Reuben. So Rube was on the front cover of the Pilates, um, cover, uh, the, the, the shop. And I, and I called Ruben and asked him, he said, man, he said, I'll never lift weights again. I said, why? He said, because I'm getting all my strength training in Pilates and using these machines and I couldn't believe it. So I started doing that, man, my late my latter years in the league and it helped my back, it helped my core, it helped my hips out and like, it, it, was, it did things to me that weight training couldn't do although I needed weight training as a teenager through college early part of my career in the NFL, but as you get older and start playing, and you say when you want to play to you're 30 years old, your training has to change up. You know, like, you're going to ask Andrew Whitworth, is he, is he still training the same way he did at 22? No. <laughs> you can't. You know what I mean? <laughs> your body hurts too much, so having, having ways to find out how to train guys as they mature and get older is, is a big part of football, I think.
1: The great Willie Anderson joins us here. Episode 114 McChesney Unchained. Make sure you follow Willie at Big Willie 7179 on Twitter and Instagram. Willie, you run the, uh, the Willie Anderson Lightning Academy down in Atlanta. We both work with a bunch of young guys. What is the number one thing that you teach your kids when they walk in, first and foremost, rather not just stance and like effort, but what's the number one thing that you would like to get
2: across to the young offensive linemen out there that are working, uh, other than what you just said, obviously? Be confident in being a big dude. Like, I've been a big dude all my life. And in society, we're always taught to be, to to dumb yourself down, you're too big. Be nice. You know what I mean, be nice, and like, fuck that, man. Like, be big and be confident, you know what I mean? Like, I tell kids all the time to look, man, I tell front, right in front of their mom and dad to look, we can train all damn day. Like, I'm not cheap, and we we work our ass off for, for an hour and a half, two hours, I said, but none of this don't mean any damn thing if you're afraid. If you're afraid, it doesn't mean a damn thing. If you're not confident, it doesn't mean a damn thing. I tell guys, man, I said, look, man, we, we, we go to these camps. You know, everybody's trained, like we, we train really hard to go to these camps and dominate one-on-one. Like, yeah. I see you you guys do the same thing. It's I, same I, shit we're doing. Yep. I, I watch it. I watch it. So I said, look, man, it, 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 we're in shorts. We're in shorts and no helmets. It's, it's a dumbass drill. I said, but look. I've been the offensive line coach at a Nike, Nike with the opening. And they have all these recruiting fights around the circle, watching the guys filming. I said, I said, we all know the rule is no board rushes, no jump, no jump set off the line. I said, but we all know D Lyman's gonna, gonna board rush your ass. Yeah, he does, he puts you in your ass. Your only recourse is you must get up and fight that guy. And as a grown man, I don't feel bad telling the kid that either because we don't do on the football field. It's true. It's true. I said because they're going to run that video of your ass all day. You know, I said that five-star DN put such and such on his behind, and I say for your family's sake and your own, your own family's name, you got to give and fight that dude. I said at college camps, your offensive line coach is going to be looking at you to see if you go fight it, because it's certain kind of guys he want in his room. So all this training and stuff will be all pretty. We will have pads on. If we don't train, I watch you all the time. I, I, I get crunked up watching your videos because if you don't have the energy as a player, none of this stuff works. You know what I mean? So if you're a big guy, I teach big guys how to, first of all, move their bodies, yep. learn, how to, how to learn how to move their bodies, and then have that aggressive mindset. So I never have to get mad. I come out the locker room pissed off. You know what I mean? Eight
1: like, fucking men, bro. You know
2: I mean? Yeah. I, I, I I'm pissed off already. It's fucking hot. It's naps outside. My my coach hard on me. he, he, he is on y'all. Like I'm not getting my ass cussed. I'm not getting my my, my ass dog cussed out tonight because you're going hard. I'm not going hard. So teach that man. You know teach, teach teach. You know teaching some kid who who's probably not a college athlete. Kid might be a five foot eleven guard. Teach him to have confidence in themselves to say, hey man, look, just because a guy's bigger than me doesn't mean he, he, can, he can beat my ass. Like, if I get my one, two steps down the ground before he gets going, I have a chance. But that comes from, that comes from confidence and not being afraid. Now, if you're afraid and you stand in one place and allow a guy 300 pounds to get going, he's going to run your ass over. Yep. <laughs> so teaching that first, man, that mindset, confidence, and the ability to believe in yourself for high school kids is huge, man, because at that level, they all get dogged out. And but you and I know, we really are the stars. You know, shit don't work if we, we don't work. You know what I mean? But Amen. in seven, eight grade, seven, eight grades, they used to throw the worst coach on the field as a, as o line coach. So a kid gets the ninth grade, if a kid's not a monster sized kid, he's probably playing freshman football with you know one of the head coach's sons coaching the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Volunteer
1: uh, time. Yeah. You know I
2: mean? So, I mean, so by, by tenth grade. The average kid playing junior varsity. Every kid's not a superstar kid starting a tenth grader. So you're playing junior varsity football, and you're building your confidence, but you're not really getting coached all that great because the head coach, the head O-line coach, is coaching the varsity. So I tell parents the same way you know, the same way you're not doing is every quarterback guy. You know, in 2009, Tom Brady. 09, there was a special on ESPN called "A Year of the Quarterback," and in showed show, Tom Brady's. Uh, his personal quarterback coach, the guy, died, the guy that died a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, that he was an awesome coach.
2: Yeah, he said on, in 2009, he said, if your kid doesn't have a personal quarterback coach, he has no chance. And when they said that, that business boomed. <laughs> it, went, it went through. true. It went crazy because you can't learn all the mechanics of the quarterback just only train with your high school coach. Now, you're not training the position off of the line, which is kind of a little bit more Taboo to go out for outside teaching because all the O line coaches are really territorial. Well, well, at one time, the QB right. coaches, you know what I mean? The QB coaches were kind of territorial too, but now every quarterback is pushed to go train. Like high school coaches, they push their guys to go train with a training because there's so much stuff you, you have to learn and you can't learn it all in practice, you know? So,
1: and, and I, I truly believe, and I know you believe this too, but that's the way offensive line, defensive line, that's the way it's going. Like, the, yeah. I play both ways, so I, I've got a very unique perspective on how to coach it, how to teach it, what you're looking yeah. at, so on and so forth. And I just – I don't see how – like, especially in a place like Denver, it's not a hotbed like Atlanta. It's not the South. It's not the SEC. We're in the fucking Pac-12, bro. So, <laughs> like, it, it's, it's different here. A lot – there's a lot of folks – and I wanted to get your opinion on this before we talk about the NFL as a whole. There's a lot of folks who think they can buy opportunity – rather than like earning it. Like I'm just going to invest in myself and I'm going to bust my ass and I know I can play. I don't need the affirmation of a scholarship or anything else. That will come as I keep working rather than I, I bought something and now I expect a scholarship and blah, blah, blah. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't work like that. No, so, no, no. So I get – is it the same mindset down south in Atlanta as it is in Denver, as it is in L.A.? Is it just the culture we live in, like
2: that I need it right now? Because that doesn't that doesn't work with football. It, it doesn't. And and that's uh, funny with football because you see a lot of basketball. Bas- basketball stuff can happen so fast for a guy. But there's only so many guys playing basketball that that's what I make. I mean, football, you ch- your, your chances are higher, but there's so many people playing. Like, I remember in, um, a couple of years ago, 2015, I was coaching high school ball, and um, I went on Huddle. And Huddle said, um, when Huddle first started, Huddle said they had 2 million high school kids registered on the Huddle accounts. Jesus. said, like, damn. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of damn kids. Like, damn. So... Um, putting the work in, man. Like, you no, know, I, I told my son. My son just finished up at Georgia Tech, and um, I was like, oh, "Look, man, my son was, was was a receiver. I had no clue how to play receiver. You know, I thought I thought all receivers drove off their, their 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 back leg and their stance. I had no clue. I I used to watch videos of Ocho Cinco, my teammate, training training receivers. He played my son played quarterback, DB, and I told him, "Look, man." I got parents to go to college. He said, what? To make grades?" eighth grade. so I paid for my baby sister to go to college. She dropped out. I paid for my nephew. He dropped out. I said, my, my son, I said, what I will do, if you want to do this, I'll pay for every damn thing that it'll take for you to get to college to play football. Your tutoring, uh, training, training, going to camps, yep. buying all these damn videos we bought. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, I'll buy all that stuff there if you want to do it. I helped you. I said, i, I- it won't be an expense I spare to help you out because my son didn't grow up playing football because you know I didn't want to play football. Because after I retired, I was like, man, this shit is football is the brutal sport. And I, and I didn't think my son yes. had the I didn't think he had the mindset for it. I said, there's no way you gonna have the mindset the way I had the mindset. Well, I learned, well, football changed. Football didn't become a kid did have to be that brutal how we all how we all was brought up. But the kid did have to work. And I, I saw kids for the first time. I my son in the ninth grade. I seen kids at the gym at seven a.m., and I would never think kids were football and basketball kids would get up in the morning time going to the gym. I said, "But well, damn!" But that, that kid became Jalen Brown. That kid yeah. became Colin Sexton. You know what I mean? That kid. I, I saw the kid at Man in Atlanta training in seventh, eighth grade at Lifetime Gym in the morning time by themselves. So. I That's why son. we're up
1: at 5 a.m. in here every day, brother. Every in day at 5 a.m. There you go, man. So I said, man, that's
2: a that's a kind of work. I don't believe God. I don't believe God will bless. I tell all kids this. I don't believe God will bless something if you're not obsessed with it. If you're gonna casually go by with it, shit's not gonna work. Like a for you. We we, we made it because we was obsessed with, with football. You know, yes. I, I was really obsessed with basketball, but I, I just couldn't fucking jump no more. I couldn't jump. <laughs> if I could do a uh a spin move dump off a of vertical, I'll play basketball. But <laughs> at, at six foot six, you can't dunk that off a vertical, just <laughs> getting pinned to the backboard. <laughs> so so being obsessed with, man, like I said, I don't believe that God would bless something if you're not obsessed with it. If, if you don't think about it every damn day of the week, if you're not working on it, you know, I have a friend of mine who trained basketball players. And when guys come to the gym, he asked me, say, uh, he said, man, uh, what's your goal with basketball or NBA? Now, my, my boy is psychotic. He's from New York, psychotic. He said, NBA. So for real, he's okay. Um, he said, How many times do you go out <laughs> and shoot a basketball with your dad, your brothers? He said, is it All your little friends on the sideline right here. Kid may say, Three days a week. He said, Man, get the fuck out my gym. <laughs>
1: said, exactly. Get
2: the fuck out of my gym. He said, he said I told my Achilles in Coney Island, New York, I played basketball every fucking day and I didn't make. You think you are gonna play three days a week? You are gonna train three days a week and go to the NBA? man. the fuck out my gym.
1: Exactly.
2: <laughs> and, and but he was right though. It'd be, it's crazy. He's telling the kids, but it, he's right though. Like you can't say I'm gonna think about I'm gonna think about some three days a week, and I expect to get to the highest level of it. Where there's guys out, like you said, in New York, dribbling the basketball every damn day on the subways, thinking they're you know in their mindset playing the game, and with, with, with us football players. It's so much stuff you got to go through to make it to that level. If you can't handle tough things, you can't handle tough talking. It's going to be hard because
1: it's be real hard.
2: we got to go through three years of football in college. You know, college football coaches are all psychomaniacs. Making a lot of money. Yes. They got wives. They, they want their jobs. And it's very, very competitive. And if you think your ass want to go to some of these big schools, these powerful coaches want players that ready to play. who who, who can take hard work, tough criticism, and it's a lot, man, so your mindset has to be of a worker. I mean... Grunt. There you go. All day, every
1: day. The great Willie Anderson joins us here episode 114 of Chesney Unchained. A couple more questions here before we get you out of here. Willie, thank you so much for taking the time today to to spit some truth. Bro, you're you're talking to him over here sweating. My palms are sweating. I'm ready to run through a (laughs) fucking wall, bro. Um, So, how do you feel about 17 and 18 games in the NFL? I I I'm not playing anymore, so I think it's awesome. And then, do do you? I mean, do you like Mahomes coming out saying he wants to go 20 and 0? Tampa Bay, everybody talking about them being 20 and 0. Like, do you really think that it's going to be Kansas City, Tampa Bay again, or is there true parity in the National Football League? In your opinion,
2: I'm a fan. Of, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Patrick Mahomes, and we said that, like. Every person I've known in the last 25 years that came out and said publicly what their goal is gonna be, shit tragic happens. Like no one ever <laughs> when Rudy my teammate Rudy Johnson came out and said, I'm gonna I'm gonna rush 1800 yards. I was oh man, you just changed yourself. Like cut that shit out, man. Don't don't say it. If the football gods were not allowed to happen. Like no one's going to it can't happen, bro. Like, like, like um. Of course, you want to win every damn game, but you know this schedule is gonna be I a mean, for fans like us. Like I, said, I love football, I man. I love watching football from Thursday to fucking Monday night. Yeah, but I do know. I remember the first time I played a Thursday night game. I was my, I was in my I was in my damn thirties, and I felt like rigor mortis had set in my body in the second quarter. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't move, dog. Like after this, bro after the game, I went in the cold tub. There's no luck after the game. I went and set my whole body in the cold tub. Because on Thursday, I'm still hurting from last Sunday. Exactly. Like that's why I, that's, that's why I retired. Because I was I was in Baltimore my last year, my 13 year in Baltimore, taking pain pills and fucking tore it all for practice. Like, I told I told I, told Isaac Newton, I said I, I can't, I can't do it, man. And uh, he put his head down and, and and started shaking his head. He said, "Man," he said, "Willie, I understand." He said, "Because I got some of my boys, Ozzie Newton for the, the gym of the Ravens."
1: Yeah. Damn said, man. Some
2: of my, because some of my boys played this game too long and now they, they can't take care of themselves right now at my age. So he said, man, I get it, man. You know, so that, that game ain't gonna be, you know, the good thing for them though, the practices are not that crazy.
1: Yeah, you know practices
2: I mean? are not anything, they're t-shirts. Oh uh, uh, I've been in training camp the last couple of years of teams and like, you know, this it? Like this is it? all you're doing today? <laughs> like. Remember back in the days how violent goal line practice were? Oh my god, man! I don't remember
1: like I don't rem. I remember my last year, like the fifteenth week of the season, in full pads on Wednesday, like half pads Thursday, and then and then shells Friday just for nine on seven, and then and then we can take them off. And I was like, we get to take off our shoulder pads. Hey, grown. So
2: hey, like grown men, happy as hell. I'm like, yeah. I'd be like, no shoulder like, man Wow. Fans, <laughs> hey, fans don't know how 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 giddy big grown ass men get just to feel better during the season. If, if exactly. coach say, if coach say, okay, we, we win this game, pass off the mark. Guys are having full out meetings like, yo, man, bro, don't we got to win. <laughs> don't fuck up. <laughs> we got to win, dog. I don't want to wear a pass on Wednesday.
1: Please, fucking win. <laughs> Hey, so let me ask you this question. If we're talking about 17 and 18 games and we're reverting back to, you know, bodies being broken down and what happens to big guys Mm -hmm. and all football players, really, don't you think it's time for our weak-ass players union to, like, demand that we get lifetime health care? If we're going to play 17 and 18 games, every single vested player in the past needs to be on lifetime health care. And every single player moving forward needs to be on lifetime health care. That's all I'm looking for. Just can I can I not pay three thousand dollars a fucking month just to get insurance because my body's broke down from the job I had.
2: Exactly. State apart again. Weak ass players. Like it's weak. It's, it's, a, it's a damn shame, man. How 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 ter- it's terrible. Like folks don't understand that. It's terrible. Like it's, it's it's really terrible. And um it's like it's like they're even afraid to even ask the question of that shit. Like, you know, and like even, even bring up at the, um, at the draft a couple of years ago, the Bengals had to come up and, and announce their second-round pick. And all the former players got a, got a meeting. There was, was two groups got a meeting with Roger Goodell. And uh, you see all these great players, man, Ed Tuttle-Jones, uh, Carl Elder, all these guys in Hall of Famers, man, some guys on walkers, some guys' just, just, just knees just crumbling, man. And, and uh, in their meeting, in the meeting, they asked Roger Goodell about health insurance. And Roger said, "Well, that's 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 a union question." And I said, "Well, what when, when do you think this guy's seventy-five years old going to ask you, bro? Like, he going to ask you why can't you big take care of guys like him who set this set this league up for for greatness?" And you watch that, you watch these guys on Walkers and shaking, walking around. These guys are legends, and um, especially the guys pre ninety three before the bargaining agreement came about, they they got shitted on terrible. So. Um, Roger asked around the room, he asked around the room and said, um, how many guys with a lot of kids play football? And because my son's already playing already, if I had known this, I tried everything my power. My son played basketball. I was I was one of three players in the room of 38 guys. This guy was like, hell no, my son not playing. Wow. Because they 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 understand that their their son playing a business that don't love them. Like we we love this game, man. We 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 love this game. Like we, we give our hearts this game. And we all so crazy. We'll go do this shit again, knowing that it's crazy right now. You are correct. They inspect that though. They know that. They 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 know we love this game, and they, they know we, we, we're we gladiators and warriors, and we'll go do it again. But they also prey on that, and they it's things that they can do to make guys' life after football better. Um, uh, Oscar Robertson, uh, great M- NBA player, he started yeah. the Players Union for the NBA, and go and look at the things he did. When he first became the president of the union, he made sure guys for a lifetime would be taken care of. Like, like those, those guys post NBA career, their benefits are, are great, man. Like our NFL, no, our 401k is great, probably one of the best in all in the, in the whole country. But the the insurance the guys got to go through, and I mean, it is um, a travesty, dog. It's a, it's a travesty, bro. Like it's a travesty. Like you, you, you see, I mean, uh, uh, uh Johnny United's man, this man can't hold a pen. To write his name before he, before he died and they couldn't give him care like he, he couldn't get lifetime like guys who set this league up this man this golden arm johnny united had he couldn't even hold a pen to write his name his last couple of years and um it's bad man and, and and you know i don't know if our union is on the side of these owners or don't want to rock the boat. It's, it's it's bad every year so you know fans don't know that because you know i think as, as, a, as a whole we as players should talk about it a whole lot more and i personally think we need shit we need congress to come in and negotiate with these with these owners instead of our players union. because we get we get screwed every damn negotiations we get screwed so
1: so last question i got for you here william thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking some truth brother remember you can follow big Willie at big Willie seventy one seventy nine on twitter and instagram and if you're down south uh, or anywhere, honestly, uh, check out the Willie Anderson Lyman Academy. It's incredible. He does a great job down there with working with all those guys. I played defensive line my whole life uh, until I got moved to guard when I was in the NFL, and I, I used to love watching the pass rushers when I was growing up. I was watching your era. I didn't get to the NFL until 2005. Um, Bruce Smith, Reggie White, you know, Jason Taylor, guys that you played against at that level. Who was, who was the guy that gave you the most problems just on a on a weekend week out basis, playing in the net and, and and blocking that guy off the edge. Weekend or week out, like I, I, I played. I mean, he only gave up sixteen sacks in like yeah, fifteen yeah, I, years. So I not people didn't give you that much of an issue. But who who would you say that when you walked out on the on the field on the gridiron, you were lining up against Bruce or Reggie? Yeah, yeah. maybe not give you problems, but was it different
2: lining up against those guys than just some dude playing defensive end? Yeah, because guys, those guys, to me, seem like they all had superpowers, bro. Like, like they, like to, to block Bruce Smith, and I played Bruce Smith, when I was 23, I'm sorry, Reggie White. I played Reggie White when I was 23 years old in 98. He was 36. Well, he, he led the league, his last year at Green Bay. He led the league in sacks. <laughs> and he was only playing like half the downs, bro. So he stayed fresh. And uh, the previous week, they had just played... um. Tampa Bay, and he played against a guy by name of Jason Olden, who played at Florida when I was at Auburn. Okay, and Jason. Had, Jason had won SEC Line of the year, and um, uh, man, he put Jason on his head about three times, bro. Like, and Chris Berman. I remember I, I came home that night. We played somebody the previous week. I rushed home because I knew the next week we got Reggie. I wanted to see the highlights from the game. I'll I never forget. I'm in the living room watching the game. I said, Lord have mercy. I got to do next week. Now, I grew up loving Reggie White. You know, start, start, start looking to God and, and, and Christ because of Reggie White, was the preacher. I was a Reggie White fan as a kid, bro. So, that that whole week, my my coach, you know, Bruce Kyle, I'm, I'm going to hold my words for what he said, but he told the press, so I, I, I told the press, I said, yeah, I have, I have a pretty good plan against Reggie. And my head coach is going to say, well, everybody got a good plan against Reggie until they play Reggie. And I said, "What? How motivated was, was that, brother? I was mad as shit. Like I said, oh, so the whole building thing—I'm about to get put in my head. But I blocked Reggie. God bless the dead, rest in peace. The great, to me, he's the greatest guy. I blocked him, bro. Shut him out. But he, dude was, dude was running to me, and my fucking skeleton would hurt, <laughs> 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 bro, bro. My—he would shake my, my like." Like, i show you <laughs> I, I, I have some videos on my Instagram of me blocking it. Like, because I'm a big dude, it don't look like he, he's hit me that hard because I'm a big dude, but bro, my skeleton was hurt. Uh, and, uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and after the game, I stayed hurt for at least six weeks because uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So, what they would do, they would have Seth self on, on the outside. Okay. Off the end, blitzing to keep you from from, 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 from chipping with right? So, We had a fullback by the name of uh, Brian Mills played at Penn State. And I said, Mills, look, when Seth Jonah, when they the running, the linebacker, don't stand behind me. You know, backs, they get nervous. They're going to get get real close to the line. I said, bro, if you trip me, Reggie's going to kill the fucking quarterback. And uh, what he did, they blistered him. He stood behind me. I stepped on his foot. I started to fall back. And Reggie grabbed me. He grabbed him and ran us both back. Uh, the QB was Neil O'Donnell. Picked us up and threw us on top of the quarterback. Boom! I land down. I put my wrist down to hold my wrist like a dumbass, and all three of them felt my wrist. I thought for sure my wrist was shattered, but I had a cast in my arms for the next four weeks, five weeks. Like <laughs> he beat me up, dog. Like, like Thanks, <laughs> I, I've never faced a guy. Never faced a guy that was stronger than me. That 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 at any time like. His favorite move, as we all know, is that hump move. Hump, yep. He, he would do that hump so smooth, like most guys got to wind it up. Reggie just, just put his arm up under your damn, up under your, your, your armpit and lift you up the ground. So the whole game, I'm sitting inside the whole game, like all this pressure on my damn left knee, trying to hold him down for humping me, and he's laughing. And every time you say, big fella. You feel it coming, don't you? You feel it coming, don't you? <laughs> hey, hey, so look at this. Look at my teammates say, hey, man, whatever you do, don't curse at him. <laughs> he gets real mad if you curse at him. I say, well, you know what I'm going do? I won't say shit to him. He's, I ain't even spying to him. He, 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 he'll talk to me, I won't say nothing to him. Because you know my whole thing with, with great with great guys, I want to shut you out, but I don't want to hype you up. No. <laughs> know what I mean? I, I'll try to pancake you and fuck you up and help you up. Say, man, you all right? You good? You good? Right. You good? Hey, we good, man. You're, good. you're doing Except, a great man. job today, by the way. High five. Hey, good job, man. Hey, but <laughs> every time though, I'm trying to hurt you every damn time though. But I don't, I don't want you. I don't want you to know it because you'll get hyped up and try to play hard. You know what I mean? So that's that. Um, the old Jordan mentality. It's that Jordan wanted everybody to stay calm, with you. and he made guys think he was their friends. In The meantime, he he just. <laughs> <Killing>. <laughs> That's what it is, man. Great Willie Anderson joins us here. Willie, thank you so
1: much for coming on the show, episode 114. Check out Willie's uh, uh, Lyman Academy down there in Atlanta at Big Willie 7179 on Twitter and Instagram. We'll have this posted up here later and I'll send it to you for sure. Willie, thank you so much, man, brother. Thank you, bro. Stay up down there. We'll talk soon. Thank you,
2: thank sir. Thank you, bro. Thank later. You. All right.